It is a pleasure to bring to you our lesson today from Psalm chapter 23. And let me remind you that the Word of God was given to us because you and I needed an insight that we did not have the capability, the capacity. We don't have the insight to learn these things apart from God revealing them about himself. So God says, this is who I am. And he gives us that word, and that word comes to us in the, in the biblical text. And we're, we, need, we're, we should be grateful for that. Um, even though it comes in a, in a very rich, it comes through uh, complicated priests and prophets, apostles, disciples of Jesus, um, who wrestle with life just like you and I do, who struggle with the complexities of life just like you and I do. But they do so from a divine perspective. They have a divine perspective about who God is. And so they speak things that are bold. And we get that this morning. It's a rather bold statement. The Lord is my shepherd. And uh, this, this psalm here is probably one of the most popular ones. Um, I don't know about you, but whenever I think about Psalm 23, I usually think I'm about to go and do a funeral. Right? Is that, anybody else kind of get where I'm coming from on that? I kind of, when I say that, people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, 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 it's, this is the place where, where people use this. I think because they're looking back at their life and they're realizing that God has been good to them. But this really isn't a funeral psalm, although it can be used there. It's actually not used looking back at life as much as it can be used to look forward into life. To make a convictional statement David made his, and you and I this morning are get to make, are, are, we're going to be able to make our own. But you and I have an opportunity to choose who will be the one who will shepherd over us, who will care for us, who will provide for us, who will protect us. And we each get to choose. David has, had, has made his. I was reminded this week to make mine. And we do this in the context of um, a life where we most likely, you had parents like I had, which at some level, to varying degrees of success, they wanted to instill in us an awareness of who we are. You're special. How many of you have been told you're special? And you're gifted. And you're talented. And you're capable. And you, you need to learn to provide for yourself and protect yourself. You really need to learn to, uh, to use the gifts that God has given you. So that becomes a little bit of the backdrop for most of us. God has given you these gifts. God has given you these talents. Now you need to get to work. Make things happen. And, and that can really bleed over into us unintentionally, maybe intentionally, but unintentionally, assuming too much about our own abilities and capabilities. We think we can make things happen. You know you can do anything if you put your mind to it? How many of you have heard that before? Hmm. The Bible doesn't know of that kind of language. The Bible doesn't have a, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. The Bible instead has this kind of a confessional statement. The Lord is my shepherd. I was at a conference. I heard a young man tell a story. His dad was really successful. And his dad not, did not want their, his children to just ride his coattails. And so he wanted them to recognize the gifts and abilities that he had given them and the times in which they live. And then to get to work. And so one of the things the dad would do was that whenever he knew about hard work opportunities, he would allow his children to embrace those so they wouldn't be spoiled. One of the opportunities this gentleman was sharing 
Um, his dad worked with a number of different businesses, and he let his son know, today you're going to be helping uh, a farmer that I know that has a lot of land, and I'm going to be driving you out there, and today you're going to be driving a tractor all day long. So I hope you're going to enjoy this. This, this gentleman doesn't mind working hard. He met with the supervisor briefly, and the supervisor told him that what you're going to be doing is riding this tractor across this land. Now, by the way, it's rained recently, so you should be fine, but should you hit an area that the, the ground is, is just not as, uh, not as stable, not as sure, um, you're going to feel the tire slip a little bit, and here's what I need you to do. Don't think you know how to get out of the problem. I need you to stop the tractor immediately, come and get me, and I'll help you through it. That's driving a tractor. How hard can that be, right? So he's driving the tractor. It happens. Tires begin to slip. He remembers what he was told, turns it off, but looks and the supervisor's shed is too far. Do I have to walk all that way? Okay, I got this, right? I got this. So he does what he thinks he's supposed to do, just try to take it out slowly. Nope, it's not working. Back and forth. Drive, reverse, drive, reverse, just trying to... And then what happened to him is what happens to you and I when we're trying to get ourselves out of a problem and we begin to realize we might not be able to get ourselves out of a problem, we get angry. And when you get angry, you take your foot and you just push it all the way. Gas all the way. Buries the tractor, axle deep. Okay. I need help. Actually, he needed help before that moment. But now it's obvious to everybody, I need help. He starts walking to the supervisor's shed, but on the way he sees a barn and he notices in that barn a bigger tractor. So he grabs some chains and he takes that bigger tractor and he hooks it up to the tractor that he's buried. And he does the same thing. At first, the tires begin to slip and he turns it off, again remembering if the tires are slipping, get help. But he looks and again, the supervisor's shed is far away and now how do I explain two tractors? I can do this. I can do this. Rocket back and forth. Anger, desperation gas all the way down, two tractors, axle deep. I got to get help. He starts walking back, and as he does, he, as he was recounting this story, as he was walking back, um, he, who should he see coming towards him? Not the supervisor, but his father. And his dad, he's kind of rehearsing in his mind all the things that his dad is going to say to him. And his dad just said to him in rather um, sharp in succinct terms, he just said, son, have you finally decided to get some help or are you just going and looking for a bigger tractor? What an analogy for life. All of us have been um, in those moments where we recognize, at least hopefully recognize that we need help. Then we recognize, no, 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 I can do this. And then we, we, we bury tractors. And Psalm 23 speaks into that experience for you and I. Psalm 23 speaks in from a gentleman who is more than capable. Do you know his story? King of Israel, defeater of giants, slayer of bears and lions. I don't know what you've been doing lately, but slayer of bears and provider of sheep. King David. And King David stands up this morning and says, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes that rather bold and shocking statement. So I guess you and I need to begin by asking this particular, particular question. 
Um, and, I, and I wish literally we could just sit here for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes just reflecting on this. You need help? Like, do you need help? Looking at your life, do you need help emotionally, spiritually, relationally, physically? Do you need help? See, most of us just go, no, I think I got this. Again, not not that I can't use a little help here and there, but for the most part, no, I I really do. I have this. My my parents have given me the skills. Um, I'm a high school graduate, you know. And, and, And by the way, by you just saying you're a college graduate, do you really think you've accomplished that much more? No, but I went to master's school. Oh, okay. And I have a PhD. I mean, you can keep on going. Do you really think like that's going to take care of it? But I'm accomplished in business, okay? Do you think that's going to take care of it? Do you need help? Sometimes it's, it's good for us to go through difficult times or adversity Because some of you might have just been thinking over the last, uh, I don't know, six or seven months. And and maybe what this time has provided is an exposure of your limits. Where all of a sudden you realize, wow, I thought I had this. And then there's something that is much bigger than anything that I could provide for. There are problems and circumstances that are swirling all around me. And I'm beginning, well, have you ever come to the end of yourself? And realize that there is more that's needed. See, that's what King David did. King David. King of Israel, David. Slayer of giants. Protector of sheep. Took a look around and said, I, me, the Lord, is my shepherd. Do you need help? Maybe, again, the better question is, do you know that you need help? And I hope this morning that you will hear David speak into our circumstances and give his confession, his recommendation. Um, I was having this conversation with Drew when we were doing our recordings on Wednesday for our online services. And as Drew and I were talking, I think you made the statement, Drew, but it was like speaking out of my own diary. Drew made the statement, wow, just looking at Psalm 23 this week, there's a lot more than I thought. And I, I thought, that's exactly where I'm at. Uh, this is a psalm that I'll, get, I'll really get into when I'm like 80, you know, like to prepare for my funeral, right? This is something that, no, this again is not something that needs to be read at, but needs to be lived through, this incredible commitment. And that's why I think it's really good for you and I to recognize that the beginning, the Lord is my shepherd, is actually a confessional statement that David makes which means he has come at some level to the end of himself. And he has realized with all of his gifts and his abilities, he still needs to make a choice in terms of who is going to be the one who's going to provide for the provider of others, who is going to be the one to protect, the one who protects others. The the one who directs others, who's going to be the one who directs him? And David said, the Lord is mine. Now, this idea of shepherd actually is a rather rich uh, word that kind of goes deep down into the time in which David lived, in which not just the king of Israel, but all kings would recognize their responsibility to care for the people. They may not have been benevolent. They may not have been good at it. 
But no, kings understood that their responsibility was to care for people. And so the idea of a king being a shepherd was something that they would, they would coincide with. And again, it just, it took me a lot. A lot of us make the comment, yeah, David was a shepherd, but look, he says God is his shepherd. It's not, it's much deeper. It's much richer than that. It's the rather bold statement, me in everything that I have and everything that I'm capable of, I recognize the limits of myself. And then I choose to make this rather bold statement. The Lord is my shepherd. And by the way, if you read other Psalms that David reads or David writes, you would actually know that he also makes rather bold and complicated statements. Oh God, why are you so far from me? Why are you so far from my groanings? Come to my aid. And and again, for most of us, we, we kind of have this idea that we go through struggles and then we rise out of our struggles like a phoenix from the ashes. And we rise out of this, and then we go on with our lives. (laughs) Isn't that funny? How many of you literally like find yourself in desperation and trouble and difficulty, and then you rise, and then you fall, and then you rise, and then you fall? And I, I believe that these statements, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay, but the Lord is my shepherd. These aren't in competition with one another. They're in concert with one another. They, they sing beside one another. Both statements. You've you got to realize, too, that there's something very intentional being said here. For those of you that have been on Sunnybrook a, long, Sunnybrook a long time, you know we love to teach this kind of stuff because we really want you to be in your Bible and to read your Bible and to know this without somebody having to tell you. L-O-R-D, all in capital letters. Sometimes the word Lord can just be a word like master or sir, like boss. Okay, that's what it can mean sometimes. But in the Old Testament, when you see L-O-R-D, you'll only see it in the Old Testament. L-O-R-D, all in capital letters, there's something more that's being said. See, in the Old Testament world, there were a number of divine beings that made claims upon their people. Now, it's not those divine divine beings were true, but when you're left to try to guess at what God is like, when it's not revealed to you, but when you're left to guess, then you get to pick the name of your God, and the Philistines picked Dagon, and the Babylonians picked Marduk, and the Canaanites picked Baal. God revealed himself to the people of Israel, and he said, my name is Yahweh, and I am God, and there is no God but me. And that word, all L-O-R-D, all in capital letters, is Yahweh's name. David isn't just saying, hey God, thanks. David's not just saying, hey, why don't you give a shout out to God who got me here. No, he's making a confessional statement of all those that could shepherd me, of all those that could, and think about the rest of the psalm, right? For all those deities that claim that they could provide for me or protect me, Yahweh is his name. He alone is God, and he is the one who provide and protect for me. He is my shepherd. It's a confessional statement that I believe is something that was true for King David. And then in those moments when life was really, really hard, it was when he had to say it maybe even over and over and over again, in between deep breathing. 
You had to do any of that lately? Catch my breath. The Lord is my shepherd. And then from that confession becomes a host of convictions. Let me say that again. From that confessional statement, Yahweh is my shepherd. Yahweh is the one who will provide for me and protect me and direct me. Yahweh is his name. And therefore, and then these are his convictions. Convictions which at times flew in the face of reality and in times lined up rather naturally with them. And so he makes this confessional statement or convictional statement. I have what I need. Wow, that's where you want to begin? For those of you, and maybe even for those of you that are younger, you might still be kind of living out of the King James version of this, like kind of like the Lord's Prayer, right? A lot of these and thous. The Lord is my shepherd, and then the King James Version says what? I shall not want. That's how I remember it even. I shall not want. And it's almost like I shouldn't want. Right? At least that's how I hear it. The Lord is my shepherd. I should stop wanting things. That's really not what it's being, what's being described here. Um, this actually, the CSB, the translation that you'll actually see, and by the way, feel free to take a Bible in the pew in front of you. Take it home. If you don't have that particular translation, you can have the one that we have here. We would love for you to take it. But in that translation, I think it does a better job really getting at what's going on. It says, I have what I need. It literally means, I am not in need. Now, do you understand how that's a convictional statement? Because I'm sure if I were to catch David on a moment and say, David, anything you want. And I could even use the word, don't play the want-need game, okay? Anything you need. David could go, yeah, like I got Saul, who's the king, who's breathing down my neck. Could have him removed, please. Yeah, you know what? Like I've got my son Absalom who is also breathing down my neck. I could use some help there. There are times in which when you read David's life, he is hungry, so hungry that he breaks into a place of worship to eat the special bread that's reserved for priests. So David knows what it's like. The word you and I would use, he would use it too. Desperate. And yet... Not because David is in a better place, but because David in those moments knows how to make a statement more than just how things are. He's making a confession, convictional statement. I really have everything I need, which means you and I at moments when Psalm 23 is really speaking truth into our lives, it means that we stop and look around and we begin to ask this question, is truly the Lord our shepherd? And then we begin to look at everything that we have. And then we begin to realize Since the Lord is my shepherd, he would not leave me in want. So this is what I have, and therefore this is what I need. And if there's something else that I I trust him with that. Now, I don't know how you're going to get a really cool SUV and a cottage and all the other things that you so desperately think you need and want. I'm not even saying ambition is a bad thing. I'm saying that for those who are truly dedicated to following Yahweh, And to believing in God and his plans and his purposes means that you at times, even when you need to take the deep breath moments, you begin to look around and you believe in the goodness of God and you believe the provisions of God and you can say, I I really have everything that I need. Yeah, but couldn't you use? Yeah, I could really use. But I, I believe that even the times in which we live, I heard a lot of people just describe how rough it is to live in 2020. Who decided that one? The Lord. 
and the place in which we lived? Who decided that one? The Lord. And, and do, you, do, you, do you understand the kind of witness that the people of God could give if they would not only make the confessional statement that the Lord is my shepherd, I trust in him for his provision and protection, but I look at everything that I have and I believe in the goodness of God and the provision of God. I, I, can I just say, I, I meet very few Christian people that look at life that way. And I will confess that there are many times I am guilty of not believing in this uh, convictional statement. I, I know what it's like to be um, terrorized by more and more and more wants instead of learning to be content with what the Lord himself has provided. I, I think this would be a good exercise. I, I challenge you to do it. I've been working on one, and it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. But could you imagine like writing your version of this psalm, and, and truly, your version of this psalm? Because mine would go something like this. I am my own shepherd, and although I'm doing the best to take care of me, there's a lot more that I need. And because of that, I'm finding myself with a greater sense of anxiety, fear, and desperation. How's that for inspiring? Anybody want to kind of write that in their Bible? But what would you say? What's your story? Who is your shepherd? And how are they doing providing for you? It's almost November. My political party is my shepherd. And that is why I freak out every November. Because if they get in, everything will be great. And if they don't, you have no idea. How's that working for you? I see it all the time. My company is my shepherd. And every two weeks, they give me less than I really deserve. And definitely less than I need. David's confession, conviction. The Lord is my shepherd, and I have what I need. And then listen how the rest of it just flows from that. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, which, by the way, is hard to find where David lived. You might just go, wow, so that was everywhere, right? No. He needed to be led to places like that. If you were to go to even Israel today, where there's a lot more intentional agriculture, the green spaces and the great water is few and far between. But David knows the Lord will lead him there. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his own name's sake. He renews my life. The word there, um, some, some old translations say he restores my soul. But it is actually the statement that what David is trying to get at there, um, the word is he breathes life into me again. He restores my life. It's the picture of somebody who needs CPR. Life is breathed back into them. David says, I know what it's like. And the next verse even makes that sense, right? Even when I go through the darkest valley, we would know the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I go through that dark valley, I fear no danger. Is that the testimony of you or is that the testimony of, of the church today? Yeah, like things like, concerns and anxiety, they're really, listen, they come, but then I remember that the Lord is my shepherd, and I remember that he would provide for me, and it just calms me. 
You know anyone that even, do you know anyone that even talks like that? And by the way, I think one of the reasons why they're afraid to talk like that is because they really, I don't know if I want to make others feel bad who are really wrestling with this. And so instead of those being genuine confessional statements that bring calmness and security to the situation, we even have a hard time. I don't think you know yourself. But David speaks very passionately that even in the midst of dark things, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod is what the shepherd would use to protect. The staff is what the shepherd would use to lead the sheep. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. David had enemies. And you made this table. This is why a lot of the Psalms that David used was like, God, come down and speak for me. Come down and you be the one. I've got people that are assailing me, that are assaulting me, that are critiquing me, that are are trying to undo everything that I'm doing. I feel like everyone is undoing everything that I'm trying to do and I need you to come down and vindicate me. And here is David's convictional statement. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Anointing a head with oil, and I don't know if you do this, I go to the king idea and I begin to think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kings and anointing heads and oils. I get it, I get it, I get it. Like when they're a coronation, like when a king is anointed. No, no, no. That's not the word here. The word here is actually, if you keep it in verse five, David says that not only does God provide and it's not only good, it really is the picture of this, of somebody sitting back at a feast and the food is good and the wine is plentiful and the, uh, your head being anointed with oil is literally this luxurious picture of somebody in, the, in, the, in, in this particular part of the world at this particular time with olive oil being poured upon their head so that they look great. That's the kind of care and provision that David found in Yahweh. And then he says in verse 6, for only goodness and faithful love will pursue me. No, but Saul was pursuing you. Absalom, your own son, tried to kill you and pursued you. The Philistines pursued you. And David, yeah. But that is why when I stop and I think about all of it, when I look at all of it, in the darkest valleys and in the table of bounty, only goodness and faithful love pursues me. This happens all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. That word there in verse 6 Only goodness and faithful love. That word faithful love is a very important Hebrew word that ties back to the name Yahweh, L-O-R-D in capitals. It, it It reminds the people of Israel that there was a day in which they joined God in this covenantal pact and God swore some things to them. That word faithful love is sometimes translated steadfast love. And it is the picture of a covenant being made between husband and wife or some kind of an agreement that is being made. And it's always good to remember that biblically speaking, that God is the one that speaks his promises over his people more than their people. I mean, the people say, we'll follow you, and they usually don't. And God says, I will be good to you, and he always is. That is why you are unnerved when you come to the realization that you are your own shepherd and you know you can't do it. So you decided to get married, and I decided to make Andrea my shepherdess. And then I began to realize she can't do this. So I decided to make my career my shepherd, and my career's going to deliver me. And then I found out it can't do it. 
And I'm I'm looking for something bigger and stronger until I finally realize there is nothing on this side of eternity that can do it. And that's why I'm so grateful that this king who knew how to trust God to destroy giants and to even to rescue him from his own sin made this rather bold and powerful statement. Yahweh is my shepherd. And because of his steadfast love, because of his his covenantal promises, I do a lot of heavy breathing, but he has been good to me. Maybe that's why this is a good funeral psalm. Because at the end of our lives, we really can go back and count the number of times that God demonstrated himself faithful. Even though you and I really wondered if he was going to come through. The testimony of God's people is that he has. Do you know that help has come? Like not only has help come for King David, but God actually promised that through David, true help was going to come. I love this picture of the Old and the New Testaments. God, we need you to provide for us and we need you to protect us. We need you to direct us. And when God did that at its greatest level, he put on human flesh and he came to us. Someone from David's line. In fact, God himself coming through David's line said, I am now here to provide and to protect for you, to direct you in a way that you could not have understood. And so you and I come to a time where we come to a realization Wow, when God says he's going to provide and protect, he really does it. He does it in a way that is far greater than we could have ever realized. So when we make this statement, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. And he he provides for me everything that I need. Do you realize that David writes that psalm not fully understanding the degree to which God would go to provide and to protect for him? To provide and to protect for everyone. Remember the promise that was given to David's great-great-great-great-grandfather, Abraham, was that all people would be blessed through him. And Jesus Christ steps into history, and I think that's why when we recognize what Jesus Christ has done, David's statement is still true, but you and I get to have a whole other layer of meaning. Not only is the Lord my shepherd, but when Jesus Christ came to this earth, what did he say? I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. See, David had no idea that that was going to happen. David knew to trust in God's provision and protection, had no idea the degree to which God was going to go. You and I do. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and my own, uh, I know my own, and my own know me. So David's statements, which are really wonderful and even inspiring, are nothing in comparison to what Jesus Christ reveals. Or, or better stated, we really get a, a much fuller understanding. What you and I get to say today is, Jesus Christ is our good shepherd, and he has given us everything we need. And how do we know that? 
Because you and I, those of us who've made a confession about Jesus Christ being our Lord and Savior, have this, which represents the good shepherd's body given for us everything that we need. Let's take it and remember him. And Jesus Christ has given us this. Everything that we need. And so we drink.